Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Our podcast is being brought to you by the fine folks at Edrington Spirits and Noble Oak. If you're looking for a great whiskey or bourbon or rye, Noble Oak is where you need to go. You can check it out at Noble Oak Spirits on Facebook. You can go to NobleOak.com. You can check out their Instagram page as well, Noble Oak. It's really good, and for every bottle that you buy, it helps us here at the podcast. It also helps you because then you got some tasty, delicious beverages that you can concoct at your house, and they plant a tree for every bottle sold. They just had a big Earth Day event, and it's great. We love that we are involved with a company that cares so much about good stuff, so NobleOak.com. Trust me, you will enjoy the process. Okay. The streak is over. I am recording this as the White Sox have walked it off against the Rays, ending their losing streak at 10 games. There's still, like, so much to cover and so much to discuss. Watching them this past weekend, like, the streak is over, but the problems still persist for this team, and it played out inside of this game. While I'm on on it, like how the game ended, and this isn't really like I don't really do game breakdowns anymore other than Bears games because they're once a week and the the audience turns over product quite a bit. And there are all sorts of White Sox pods out there that do sort of recap type stuff. I just want to talk about how inside of this game, it almost felt like it felt like Kevin Cash was just like, ah, oh, well, you know, if he wins it, he wins it. Let's go home. Instead of playing out the the ninth inning like it was a game that you had to have. Not that the Rays have to have it. They're baseball's best team. So they didn't have to have the game at all. But why on earth would you let Vaughn bat in that situation when the winning run is already a third, so you're not pushing it to third? He's already on third. And that run ideally doesn't count. And you have a lefty on the mound, so if you have a... Sheets is at least scheduled to be the next hitter, and ideally you have lefty-lefty. I I would not have... And I texted the group chat. I would have walked Vaughn. But Cash is one of the best managers in baseball. I, I think he just wanted to go home. Sick of this White Sox team and... And sick of playing in the the rain and the snow and whatever else was going on. It's it's a wild thing. But here's what I want to spend some time doing. I'd like to try and talk calmly about the White Sox and what's happened with them this season. And I was compelled to do a pod because 
watching the games this weekend, like just being like every other White Sox fan, just being really frustrated with everything that's gone on with this team over the 10-game losing streak. And here's the thing. They won today's game, and that's great. You don't want guys to just feel terrible for forever. You don't want just a clubhouse of sad people. It's, it seems awful to be going through something like that. But the problems that put this White Sox team on a 10-game losing streak are still there. The day off will help. Them getting Tim Anderson back will help immensely. I don't think it'll help enough because you have problems kind of all over the diamond and inside the clubhouse and also in the front office that you can't run away from. Even if this team went on a, what, 10-game winning streak? Like if they flipped it. If this bunch of White Sox went on a 10-game win streak to balance out the 10-game losing streak. They'd still be four games under 500. Would I love to see it? Yeah, it would be great. I don't know if they have it in them. They're still winning. They still haven't won double digits this season. They're winning 28% of their games. And there's so many reasons why. And you saw some of it play out. Now, they ended up winning the game, but you saw some of it play out late in the game. The Romy Gonzalez experiment needs to end. I'm not sure that he's a major league player. And I'm pretty sure that he's not a major league outfielder, no matter how badly they want him to be. Him missing that ball, and I get that the conditions are terrible, but that's why you need professionals playing those positions on days like this. It's frustrating that they they could not wait. The White Sox as an organization couldn't wait to tell you about Romy Gonzalez. And then, you know, he hit with six home runs in the last week of spring training. And they thought for sure that they were going to have a guy that was going to come out there and, and, and show that they didn't need to get a second baseman and they didn't need to get a professional right fielder. They could just do what they wanted. And... It has not worked out so far. Like He has embarrassed himself in the outfield. I know that Gavin Sheets fell down. Like I know that. But Roman Gonzalez has either missed balls, misplayed balls off the wall, the back wall, and the side wall, and he's put you in a, in a worse position to win games. The White Sox roster is the main culprit on to why they're not good. The way that their roster is constructed, and these have been things that people have talked about, myself included, for the last few years. And I know that there are the people that are like, wouldn't the White Sox be better off if Tony was managing this team? No. Tony was a, a symptom of a major problem and that's the disconnect between the ownership and the front office and not allowing the front office to do their job. I say that to also say to you that these are two different problems that we're talking about. One is ownership getting in the way of what was a rebuild that seemed to be going okay at the time and making 
a terrible mistake in the hiring of a manager who was not prepared to manage. For the last two years, I've, I've kept saying that it wasn't Tony La Russa's resume that was managing the White Sox. It was Tony La Russa. And at that point in his life, he wasn't ready to manage the team, didn't know rules, was falling asleep. 77-year-old guy, I, I don't know what people were expecting. The other problem is whether or not the front office knows what they're doing. And I get that, that it's a distinction. You're going, wait, what do you mean? Well, then why shouldn't the owner jump in? Because the owner doesn't know what he's doing. But the front office, they, they should have to answer questions on why their moves don't work. But I still think that they shouldn't be superseded by an owner that was trying to do something that seemed really ridiculous. That's, to me, that's the difference. That's where a lot of people are getting it conflated. That you can judge both mistakes on their own merit. The mistake of hiring Tony La Russa was big by the owner. And also, the front office is not great at doing their job. And that's how you end up in this place that the White Sox are in right now, where organizational depth is really bad because you've done a terrible job of drafting. And on top of that, there's the issue of development. And those two things alone are... You talk about red flags. It's one thing if you can find the talent. The hope is that you can then get a manager that's going to bring the most out of that talent. But if you can't find the talent and then don't know how to elevate the talent that you do have on your roster, it's it's going to be a failure. And it's going to be a, a historic and hysterical failure. And that's what we've seen from the White Sox so far this season. Sunday's win, be damned. That's what we've seen. The fact that here we are at the end of April, and the White Sox are sitting here with eight wins. The season started in March, by the way. But we're sitting here at the end of April, and they're 8-21. and 21. They're barely better than Kansas City, who's not actively trying to win. Oakland, another team that's not actively trying to win, and the White Sox are only two games better than them. Two and a half. And there's a, there's a lot to be... There's a lot to be discussed when it comes to what happens next. Like, how in the world can you try and fix some of this stuff that the White Sox have done? I don't think that it can be fixed in a season. And, and maybe it can't be fixed in a couple of seasons. But let me stick with what let me stick with what happened this weekend because I, I thought that what happened Saturday was indicative of some of the larger problems that the White Sox have as an organization. Luis, Luis Robert is running down first base, and he looked like he pulled up a little bit. It looked like he was injured, to me at least. When I was watching it in real time, like, ah, that looks like a guy who stumbled out of the box, maybe something grabbed at him or whatever. Now, after, the, after this, there were 
Eloy and Elvis had apparently told Pedro Grifol that his hamstring had been bothering him and that he wasn't dogging it. Communication is a big issue for the White Sox as an organization, and we saw it rear its ugly head yet again in this situation. When you brought in Pedro Grifol, part of the sell job on Pedro Grifol was that he's an excellent communicator, that you weren't going to have any language barrier, barrier problems because he's a native Spanish speaker. By the way, quiet as it's kept, Tony La Russa speaks Spanish. Just keep that in mind. Um, so you have this communication thing supposedly fixed, and yet there were two instances that happened with Robert that lets you know that you have a much bigger problem here. One, he didn't feel comfortable enough telling his manager that something was going on with him. Two, he didn't know the bench coach's name. Now, let me just say this real quick, and I'll get off my, my high horse about this specifically. Billy Russo is a wonderful guy, and I think that he has done a great job of trying to, to let the guys inside the clubhouse kind of speak for themselves. He's the, inter- he's the interpreter. He's interpreting the, the words of the, the guys in the clubhouse who don't speak English or don't feel comfortable speaking English in front of reporters, which I completely understand. If I was playing in the Puerto Rican League or the Mexican Winter League and I was doing interviews in Spanish, I, even with the, the little Spanish that I know, I don't know that I would feel comfortable doing interviews in Spanish. So I get it. I... I think that clubhouses need translators. And that's a different job than an interpreter. An interpreter is kind of giving you the gist of what the player is saying versus a translator translating what he says from Spanish to English. And I think in this case, the White Sox could have used a translator because there needed to be there needed to be some specific answers to specific questions that I personally didn't feel satisfied with what we saw on Saturday night. But the fact that, that Luis Robert didn't know Charlie Montoya's name, another Spanish speaker, by the way, that's, that is not good. And the fact that you have to question whether or not we were talking about someone who was actually hurt versus someone who was taking it easy. The other thing that came out of the comments from Robert is he said, look, I was kind of taking it easy, but the reason that I was taking it easy is that I had played so hard before and I was trying to make sure that my hamstring didn't go. And I'm probably giving what was translated from what he said a little bit too much grace. You can go check it out for yourself and decide on your own. But that's not good. Like it's a terrible look. It's it it does harken back to what we think we we were witnessing over the last couple of years on them telling players to take their foot off the gas. And and we saw it play out in real time. 
and it's embarrassing. It's so, it's so embarrassing, and I don't know if the White Sox e- even necessarily care about how stuff looks. They seem to be so hell-bent on trying to say that they were right when the evidence doesn't even come close to, to saying that. The evidence says that they've been dead wrong and they've been dead wrong about a lot of things. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Another thing that I want to talk about as it pertains to the front office and this roster. And I said it on Twitter on Saturday night after the game. Rick Hahn's superpower as general manager was getting arbitration-eligible years bought out with early extensions. In some cases, it was after a year, a couple years. Some cases, like Robert, you're talking about a guy who hadn't even played in the major leagues, and they were like, you know what, let's just let's just buy out. Let's, this player is going to be a, a great player for us. Let's not deal with the arbitration nonsense. Let's just give him a deal that he thinks is fair, and then everyone can get to work, right? As a strategy... I don't think that it's terrible. I actually think that it's pretty smart to try and do that. Where where I'd love to know what Rick thinks about it is does he have to change the rubric on how he defines players that get long-term deals and get arbitration-eligible years bought out? Because I think that he may have made some mistakes with character flaws and I'm not saying that these are flawed human beings I just think that I I never wanted to say about players that players got rich and then they stopped getting hungry because I've been around athletes in multiple sports where the money isn't the thing that drives them it's nice and when it comes to negotiations and contract time they want their money but I know a ton of players that that competition and wanting to win and being the best, that supersedes the money to a point. Like Guys want to get paid, and they should deserve to get paid. 
So I've never wanted to put that on these White Sox players. You know, looking at T.A. and Moncada and Eloy and Robert and saying, oh, well, you know, they got their money. They don't want to. Like, that seems unfair. In T.A.'s case, outside of the injuries, I think that you're getting 100% of him 100% of the time. I have questions about the other players that we're talking about in the regard to to extensions. I don't feel like I'm getting 100% of Eloy 100% of the time. And with Robert, we saw a couple of different weird things that were never explained. It wasn't explained why he went through that whole thing last year where the White Sox were saying it was a vitamin deficiency and it kind of looked to the layman like he had vertigo. And that never got sessed out. Like we never figured out exactly what was going on. I would hate to think that someone who has had the life experience of Luis Robert Jr. isn't hungry anymore to be the best when people are telling you that you could be one of the best players in the game. But that's what it looks like. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what it looks like. If you were drawing it up, that's what it would look like. So I wonder about Rick and whether, I don't know if he's going to be allowed to rebuild this. I know that he should not be. But it, it's, it seems as if the trajectory of the White Sox right now is such that Jerry's loyalty and the proximity the White Sox are to selling. You know, I don't know if, if Jerry's going to sell and or if once he passes away, then someone else sells, like is, is Michael sells the team or the interest in the team. But I've heard, I've heard from enough people who know more than I do about this situation that that's kind of where we're at right now. Don't expect a lot of changes because they're, they're going to... Why pour money into something that you're eventually going to sell for more money than what you paid for originally? The White Sox are... Frustrating is all hell, but they're still a major league franchise in the third biggest market in the United States. They're gonna they're gonna get excellent return on investment from what they bought. But you can ask the same question about the owner that you can ask about the players. What happened to you, Jerry? Why don't you want to win? Why don't you own like you want to win? And that goes beyond giving your friend an opportunity to manage the team. That speaks to the idea of allowing your baseball people to do what they need to do, not financially strapping them. And if those baseball people are not good enough to do what you want done, then you have to be okay with moving on from those baseball people. And and Jerry has shown that he has not been that. It is a gift and a curse. His loyalty is a gift and a curse. And he is cursing the White Sox right now. I'm shocked that as many fans as I've seen at games over the last couple of weeks have gone. And I get it. It's April. You bought these tickets. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to the game. I'm not telling you to not go to games. 
That's on you. What I'm saying is that I'm surprised that you didn't eat it. And I guess because the economy is so bad, it's sunk costs. You don't want to waste that money that that you may have foolishly spent on a weekend <laughs> ticket offer or a 20-game plan or a full-season grip that you know that you can't sell. Because even if the win streak is over, you know this team is rotten. And instead of being historic, now they're just a bad baseball team. You know what I'm saying? It's hilarious. Like, the history that they were making by being this bad was hysterical. But now they're just a team that's bad and is going to mope around for the next five months and probably make you miserable as a fan as you try to figure out exactly what went wrong and why it went wrong and who's to blame and why no one is accountable, yet they say that they want accountability, they say that they're transparent, and that's just not the case. Real quick, let me just talk about the seventh inning of Saturday night's game. And I told, I, I texted the, the show, and I told them, I said, look, I don't care what happens on Sunday. I don't care if the White Sox, if the White Sox end up winning that game against Tampa on Sunday, I don't care who the Bears drafted. We are talking about that seventh inning on Saturday. I don't know if if I've ever seen an inning more indicative of what a team is than the seventh inning of Saturday's 12-3 loss to the White Sox. Honestly, if you had told any White Sox fan that Lance Lynn had a no-hitter going into the seventh, they may not have thought that the White Sox won the game. But they damn sure didn't believe that they lost 12-3 to after no-hitting the opponent for six innings. That game was a... It was a comedy of errors. And I wish... I People were asking if I bet on it, if I had bet the Rays, and I didn't. And it's funny, I should have bet the White Sox on Sunday because I actually felt like they were going to come back and win it. But... If you look at that seventh inning where it just got out of hand and I felt like Pedro did a bad job of managing the inning, as soon as Lynn had given up that single, or given up the home run, sorry, given up the home run to break the no-hitter, which what a way to give up a no-hitter. Soon as, Now you got to get your bullpen working because your big hoss has been out there for a while. He pitched great. Let him leave with some dignity. Let him leave feeling good about himself. It's been a rough week for Lance Lynn. Like, he's had to deal with with Stoney saying that he should eat salads and whatnot. The team's been on an incredible losing streak. And and he's been at the, the forefront of trying to explain it publicly because a lot of those other dudes don't step in front of microphones when the team is losing, which is another uh, another reason why I think that they, they are made of some weak stock. So he's been out here, and he, he he should be feeling good. But you don't allow him to feel good because you haven't, you're, you're not prepared for the end game of holding on to this lead and trying to hang on. So then all sorts of stuff happens where you got guys getting on base. You have Yasmani Grandal not catching the ball again. 
And I know Stoney got into a little bit of trouble this week talking about players, but that thing that he said about Yaz a couple years ago, I prefer catchers who catch the ball right there for you. He catches that ball, you get out of the inning. And it just kept getting worse and worse. Everything got hit. No one was able to make a play. You have all sorts of issues going on in that, including bad pitching yet again. And you go from Lance Lynn throwing a no-hitter to him being on the hook. And it was so interesting listening to, to Lynn and Stoney debate the idea of whether or not Lynn deserved that fourth run. And there's a you know a weird, obscure rule that allows for it. So Lynn, who had a no-hitter going into the seventh, finishes the game six and a third, three hits, four earned. After striking out 10 in a no-hit bid, he is he now ends up with the loss. And I know that that, that pitcher record shouldn't mean a lot to anyone, but can you imagine? You put your team, you had a three-run lead, and you have the opportunity to win a game, you personally and the team, and maybe throw a no-hitter. You go from that to a 10-run inning, and poof. All of that goes out the window. I'm not sure what Aaron Bummer does at this point. I know that for a long time, people were waiting for him to be fully healthy because of the weapon that he was. Out of the bullpen from the left side, he is not that anymore. His ERA is 10. 10 in 13 games. So, that's not a that's not a minuscule sample size. He's going to have to work hard to get that to any sort of respectability between now and the end of the season. Deekman was a huge mistake that Rick made at the trade deadline last year that he continues to have to live with because he brought in a guy that had an extra year on the deal. Same thing with Joe Kelly. And I know that Kelly was good in in Sunday's game and and probably was a big part of the reason why they were able to come back. But that guy's been rehabbing on your dime since he got here. And all of it stinks. So look, I I don't have any solutions. I am solution-oriented, but I don't have a lot of solutions. I will say, and this is not usually who I am from a personality standpoint, I don't believe in punitive benching. I don't believe in this guy deserves to be sent down. Like That's not really how I roll. But I understand it. I understand any White Sox fan that's saying Robert should be benched. And he was until he wasn't. Like He played in Sunday's game even though he didn't start. Romy Gonzalez is not a major league player. He shouldn't be here. And I think this is a little, maybe a little bit out the box. And and who knows, because who knows what the personalities involved are going to do here. I don't see any reason to move Jake Berger from third base. Now, the problem is, is that, all right, let me, let me see if I can figure it out. 
okay, I want Jake Berger in the lineup because he's your best hitter, and I want him in the lineup every day. When Moncada comes back, and who knows when Moncada is coming back, I would ask him to play second base. Unless, unless, the White Sox decide that Eloy is the everyday right fielder. And that's another thing with Robert. Earlier in the week, you had Eloy and Robert almost collide twice. And it was partially because Robert wasn't communicating. As as much as I hate the idea of Eloy playing right field, I'm with him 100%. The center fielder can come get any ball that he wants. He just has to communicate and let me know that he's coming to get the ball. But you need the best hitters in the lineup every day. So if you're if you're cool, if Pedro's cool with Eloy being the right fielder every day, if you're giving up some of that run prevention for run production, then fine. Jake Berger can be your DH every day and Eloy can play right field. I don't see a way that you can sit Berger down until he becomes less productive. He, he offensively has been about the only guy that you can depend on. And when Moncada comes back, maybe he has to go to second for a while. And I know that he plays a gold glove caliber third base. And he was not great at second base. But you need the offensive production, and he hasn't been providing that outside of the first week of the season. The problems are myriad. You know this about the White Sox. The streak, I was, I'm going to ask my friends over at NBC Sports Chicago what the numbers were like during this streak. Because I do think that there was a morbid curiosity of watching the White Sox lose. And I wonder if the ratings reflect that. If people were like, well, let's see how they're going to lose today. Which I would understand. I would completely understand. But it, it was an awful start to this season. And I I personally don't see a recovery from it. I'd love to be wrong, man. I'd love for them to win 12 out of 14 or something stupid over the next couple of weeks. I'd love for that to be the case. And then we could say, all right, well, let's see what happens in June. But I just don't think that this group has got it in them. And the problems are so systemic, I don't know if anyone can fix them. (sighs) Right? Isn't that just the feeling? That's the feeling of this. We are brought to you by the fine folks at Edrington Spirits and the folks at Noble Oak. Get yourself some Noble Oak whiskey. And and share it with someone that you really, really like. Because Noble Oak is, is good like that. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? Go check it out for yourself. NobleOak.com. If you're on the gram, go to Noble Oak and see what they got going on. I think that you will enjoy the product. It helps us out because they are... Our, our sponsor right now, and we thank them for their support in keeping House of L active and live and allowing us to do some creative stuff. So NobleOak.com, look for it wherever it is that you're getting 
your your spirits edrington spirits is great they have an incredible catalog of fine fine spirits i appreciate your time i appreciate you indulging me this is the beautiful thing about having your own podcast you just kind of jump on when you want and i definitely wanted to talk about the white Sox, whether they won today or they lost because the whole thing has just been comical and I hope that there was some level of um, therapy that went into this for you as a listener. It was therapeutic for me to be able to just kind of talk about it before we get on the air on Monday. And look, we got a lot of bear stuff to talk about, too. So, But thank you for listening. And we will have some more great stuff for you coming up over the next week, including... Our guys over at Sports Adjacent, I'm sure they got a lot of fun things to say about the happenings over the last couple of weeks. I will talk to you soon.